let's get started. Um, I wanted to hear anything that stood out, anyone want to share something that stood out from the last session? Um, not to feed my ego, just, <laughs> just to kind of like hear, did God you know, say anything to you? Or what, what stood out to you guys? Just kind of jump into that. Or any questions that came out of that? Yeah. The importance of like having scripture um, to kind of defeat the lies of the enemy because mm -hmm. it's so easy to come across, especially when you're going on campus sharing. Sometimes it feels like, why am I doing this? It's not doing anything. So then having those scriptures to be like, no, this is truth. And like, I might not see the fruit of this, but there's still seeds being planted. I think that's really, really crucial. Awesome. That's really cool. Yeah. Anyone else have anything? I like how you were talking about things about eternity and how it like steers you sometimes, and that kind of that's kind of how I feel sometimes too. And I'm like. Oh my gosh, am I the only one who thought this? And then when you talk about it, I'm like, that's awesome. Like, yeah. It's okay to be like scared about it, and then think about it from like a lost person's perspective. Like that's like ten thousand years, like them like just starting the show. So. Yep. It's heavy. Anything else? I was like really impacted by the whole like thing you said about like Nike evangelism, just do it and watch God show up. But I think I think I waste a lot of time like planning like all right, I gotta like work on my style and my technique and how I'm gonna do it and how I'm gonna ask. Them. You're like, uh, spent weeks like planning how I'm gonna do it, and I, and I never shared. And the whole thing about like you said, 300 GAs were set up, and 100 got saved. But if you just do it, God moves, even if I'm weak or awkward. Yep. So I think that's my goal. I want to just go do it more. Yeah. Let's go. <laughs> Maybe you realize that some of my excuses are really bad. Like, <laughs> good. I'm glad I can make you feel bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's great. Praise God. Yeah. I think the idea of just. Uh, rejection as a success because if you put it that way, there's literally no failure. Mm -hmm. If because there's like you said, there's three answers you can get: yes, or no. And all of it, if you view fail, if you view rejection as a success, then there's literally no reason not to. Yep, totally. And God will use sometimes the people that are the most like combative are are sometimes the people that God's doing the most work in. They, they, they sometimes are like really close to the kingdom because they're, they're mad because like something's the Holy Spirit's trying to get them, you know, it's like, but he's going to get them, you know. Um, so why don't we spend a few moments uh, just praying and uh, what, what if you prayed kind of, let's just pray silently for a minute um, just, and just ask God to, to kind of help you apply whatever stood out to you from the last session and just to actually pray that God will guide this, this one as well. So let's just spend a few moments praying quietly. And, and I'll close this. God, um, we don't want this just to be another workshop or another conference that we go to. We want you to change us, to change the way we see the world, to, to motivate us to really be, to give our lives completely to you, to be used by you. So I pray that you guide the rest of the session, that we would learn to be obedient uh, in this area as well as every other area. So I pray that your spirit would guide this, this workshop. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So I'm going to be talking to you guys about how to reach your personal ministry target. And this is like one of the most effective evangelistic strategies. Um, as I've related to college ministry leaders kind of around the, the nation and, and things like that, the ministries that are constantly seeing people come to Christ are having students like you doing these personal ministry target strategy. So I'm going to be sharing a couple principles 
before I jump into the nuts and bolts. So if you want to just take notes, um, there's, there's two things that I think are key in evangelism when you're considering evangelism. The first one is sowing broadly. Sowing broadly. So you just write that on the back or on your notes or something. Um, think about how many students are on your campus. Let's, let's think about that for a second. How many students are on your campus? How many at University of Florida? 40,000? Okay. 55, okay. So that is a huge campus. Ours is 16,000 students. Um, and so we're, we're like a little rug rat compared to y'all. But, but it's, it's such an opportunity to think about how many of those people are, are not followers of Christ. Out of the 55,000, how many are not followers of Christ? And let that number bother you. Let that be a number that sticks with you. When Jesus started his ministry, he started it by sowing broadly. In Mark 1, 136-39, it says, Simon and his companions went to look, look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, Everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, Let's go somewhere else to a nearby village so that I can preach there also. That is why I've come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. Mark 1, 36-38. So Jesus started his ministry by sowing broadly. He wasn't content just to have a big, large group meeting. He wasn't content just to have a cool ministry. He had the whole town of Capernaum right there. And he could have started the first mega church right there and did multi-site and everything like that. But he said, let's go to the other villages. Let's go preach somewhere else. Let's go. He, wanted, he wasn't content to just have some Christians. He wanted to reach the lost. And when you think about the way Jesus discipled people, in Mark 3, 14, it says, He appointed 12 to be with Him so that He could send them out to preach. So Paul, Jesus appointed 12 to be with Him so that He could send them out to preach. So Jesus' discipleship didn't look like <laughs> Him going out into the wilderness to, um, to memorize the book of Isaiah and talk about their struggles. It looked more like, hey, let's go reach all these people. He went to, it says he went to every town and village proclaiming the gospel, trying to get the gospel out. At time he preached, times he preached to crowds of 10,000 to 15,000 people at one time. He preached to a lot of people. Here's another picture of Jesus' vision for sowing broadly. It's in Mark 6, verses 30 through 34. Mark 6, 30 through 34. Then because so many people were coming and going that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed, he saw a large crowd. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. Do you see the, the heart of Jesus in this passage? They're having, they're working, first of all, they're working so hard to try to reach people and to love people that they didn't even have time to eat. I've, our team feels like that during fall outreach is what we call it. We call our, we, we, we work so, all, I'm eating hot dogs, I'm eating the free burger, I'm, eat, I'm eating so unhealthy I gain weight over the, or and I'm I working so hard that I lose weight, so it's kind of like this, I'm unhealthy but I'm losing weight, I don't know. So, but at fall outreach, we're, we're, our team, we work, our students work to, to reach freshmen because it's all about reaching freshmen. We, our student leaders, the first two weeks, 
probably work 40, I'm not exaggerating, 40 to 50 hours a week just on, not to mention going to class or doing the other stuff. They are working hard. We do a fun event every night. We, do, we did 17 events in the first 18 days. If a fraternity can rush, so can we. Okay, and so, so we, we want to have, the why in the world would a fraternity be more committed to getting people into their fraternity than we would be getting students reached for Christ? And so, so we want to work hard, but you know, Jesus was reading the, the popular business and time management books about margin, and he knew that he needed a little margin in his life, and so he went out and he said, let's go out so we can rest. So actually Jesus understood the need for rest. And he went away so he could pray, so he could rest. And the crazy thing happens is the people came chasing after him, and he saw them. And again, it says he had compassion on them, which is not just the light, oh, I care about him. It's like, he's just like, I have to do something for these people. When, when, when you read Jesus had compassion on them, it is not a, oh, that... I just kind of feel sorry for him. He, he was willing to give, he, they had legitimate need for rest. They didn't even have time to eat, but he saw them and he had compassion on them. And he, had, he began teaching them many things. So Jesus, even when he had, sharing the gospel is more important than eating. Sharing the gospel is more important than sleeping. It's people's eternal, there's times in your life where it is not convenient. Actually, most times when you do ministry, it is not convenient. And so you got to be willing to sacrifice. In our ministry, we have a motto. It's, we'll do whatever it takes to reach lost students. So that's one of our mottos is, we do whatever it takes. And from the very start, we're, we have worked hard. When it was just my wife and I, we busted our, our butts to, to reach people. And then ever since then, we've brought people with us. And they, they've caught the vision. And now we have about 50 on our team that are all are almost all of them <laughs> there's a few that are kind of struggling but almost all of them are super committed and work really hard to reach the lost every movement in the history of christianity has been marked by broad sowing of the gospel boldness sowing broadly of the gospel i came across this book it's an interesting book it's called t for t um, by steve smith and it's about this this movement that happened where there was um it started in 2001 and in 10 years, they saw 1.7 million baptisms. It happened in China. It was this guy that, what he did was genius. He shared the gospel. <laughs> he shared the gospel with people. And then, what, you know what he did? He trained them how to, to share the gospel. So, so he, he, he trained the, these new believers that he led to Christ. He said, okay, let's make a list of your, your friends. All your friends, because we want to share the gospel with all your friends. So who of your friends don't know Jesus? Okay, they write a, a list of 50, and then uh, 50 or so. And he said, okay, which of these friends would be least likely to kill you if you share the gospel? <laughs> and he's like, okay, go do those, those, those four this week. Go share with those four this week. And you know what happened? Like a lot of those people got saved. And they just multiplied out. And he, in the book, he was um, interviewing some people. And he, here's something, from a, a clip from the book. It says, we must use spiritual means to find spiritual people. One successful trainer says it this way. We must sift for persons of peace using the gospel. In a training session, it became apparent that a longtime colleague and his team were seeing dramatic results in a very resistant people group. For seven years, they had labored with no fruit, 
No new churches and no believers, new believers. How discouraging. At our meeting, he reported that in the eighth year, they began to see radically different results. So I asked him, what happened? What changed? In embarrassment, he replied, we started sharing the gospel. I said, what? Excuse me? He looked me in the eyes with sadness. He more loudly said, we started sharing the gospel. Another colleague who was seeing a lot of people come to Christ was asked, whom do you find to be the most responsive? He said, those, who, those I share the gospel with. 100% of those that I do not share with do not respond. Um, people are open. The harvest is plentiful. The problem is not with the harvest. The problem is the lack of laborers. And so that's the first principle you need to be thinking about in your dorm, in your personal ministry target. God is at work. We serve a living God that is moving and working. And I just have more confidence than, than ever that God has put you where you are so that you can reach the people around you. Um, 2 Corinthians 9, 6, it says this. It says, Now I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and he who sows generously will also reap generously. Ecclesiastes 11, 6. Sow your seed in the morning, and at evening let not your hands be idle, for you do not know which will succeed, whether this or that, or whether both will do equally well. 1 Corinthians 3, 5-8. What after all is Apollos, and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned each task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The man who plants and the man who waters have one purpose, and each will be rewarded his labor. So there I could go on and on about verses of the principle of the harvest. There's a direct correlation to how many people you share the gospel with, and how many people you lead to Christ, okay? <laughs> if you want to have a ministry, you share the gospel. If you share the gospel, you will lead people to Christ. If you share the gospel, you're gonna lead people to Christ. If you don't share the gospel, you won't lead people to Christ. Newsflash. <laughs> you know, you wonder why you're not leading people to Christ? It's because you're not sharing the gospel. <laughs> you're not sharing the gospel enough with enough people and in some ways, there's some strategic ways like gospel appointments that are really helpful. The next thing that, that I had to learn that was actually, this is a very countercultural principle. It's boldness. We need to ask God for boldness. It's not just, um, we, it's not just strategies. And it's, it's, we need to, like, what if we didn't need new strategies? What if we needed new boldness? What if what we needed was, more, was to not just think and strategize? What if we needed to pray for each other? and lay hands on each other and pray for boldness to proclaim the gospel. In Acts 4.29, there's a story where basically they were threatened with their lives and they didn't pray for safety, they, they prayed for boldness. And they were, it says the place that they were, while they were praying was shook and they all were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. And read through the book of Acts and every time you, you, you see that someone's filled with the Spirit, the next thing you see is they're, they're filled with boldness. They speak the word of God boldly. There's other things, there's miracles, there's other things that happen. But every time someone's filled with the Spirit, one of the marks of a Spirit-filled person is that they speak God's word boldly. So, Acts 1.8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. 
First, here's some other good um, verses to memorize about boldness. First Timothy 2, 7. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity, timidity, but a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline. Proverbs 28, 1. It says, The wicked flee, though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Proverbs 29, 25. The fear of man brings a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. 2 Corinthians 3, 12. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. And then in Acts 20, 31, the Apostle Paul ended his life. It says, Boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. So this is what I want to encourage you first with. These are, God uses his word and he, he operates based on principles. And so these are some principles of how Jesus did ministry, how Paul did ministry, is they sowed broadly and they were bold. And, and that's something I want to I encourage you guys to develop a culture in your ministries as we're, we want to sow broadly, we want to share with a lot of people, and we want to be courageous and bold in how we share. It doesn't mean you be obnoxious. It means you be bold. It means you be courageous. Um, and there's ways to be appropriately bold. So um, I wanna, we're going to jump into the kind of nuts and bolts part of this. And I want to encourage you, let's open to, in, in your table, I want you to open up to Luke 10. Luke 10, verses 1 through 24. And I want, to, I want to encourage you to discuss what principles apply to doing ministry on campus based on Luke 10, 1 through 24. Luke 10, 1 through 24. So just whoever wants to take the lead, go ahead and read it. And then just answer a simple question. What can we learn about ministry on our campus from this, from this passage? So go ahead and take a moment to, to do that, to discuss that. Yeah. Um, why don't we discuss as a group, because we're actually running out of time. <laughs> I talk a lot. I got a lot of stuff I like to say, say. So why don't we just discuss what principles about ministry on campus apply from this passage? What, what can we pull from? Anyone want to share? Yeah. Uh, it says to go two by two, so who cares? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Have a team. Okay. That's a principle. What else? Yeah, expect both, definitely. Yeah, that's good. You guys should be writing these down. That's really good. Someone else have something? Pray earnestly. Mm -hmm. Yep, prayer is huge, yeah. Yes, declare peace. So you're coming kindly and not, not obnoxiously. Yeah, that's good. Anything else? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Mm -hmm. That's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Serving people, helping people. Yeah. That's, that's fire. Good job. <laughs> that's awesome. I never noticed that. That's great. What did you say? 
He said there's people that are want to hear, that are, that are wanting to hear it, and that we need to go find them, basically. That's really good. Good job. Yeah, there's so many things in there. So I encourage you to go ahead and study that further. And that's kind of where I got this, this personal ministry target worksheet. We're going to look at that, and I'm just going to blaze through it and show you, basically explain what I mean by personal ministry target. A personal ministry target is an affinity group or a pocket of people on campus that is a distinct group of people. So it's a dorm hall. If you guys, how many of you guys are doing dorm ministry of some sort? Oh, that's awesome. So this will apply directly to you. Um, if it's, it could be a fraternity or sorority. It could be a sports team. It could be your major. It could, I like to think about them like about 20 to 100 people is a good size for a personal ministry target. Um, that's about the ideal size. So it could be your major, fraternity, sorority, sports team, club, workplace, common interest, or just a specific group of people who you know need the gospel. So you kind of pick that, you prayerfully pick that, that target. Um, this is something that it was what we did when we lived in the dorms, my brother and I, we, we lived in the dorms. We had a, a team of about four other guys and we all we decided to move in early, so we were the first ones, and we met everyone in the hall the first day of, that they moved in. So we were the ones that helped them move in, and then we just knocked on every, hey, just knock on every door and say, hey, I'm Paul, this is my twin brother David. Tonight we're gonna go ice blocking, we're gonna go do this crazy thing where you slide down the hills with the ice, and it's awesome, you gotta come with us. And, and it was just for the people in our hall. So then we, we met every single person, and then we would scurry back to our room, and we had, it's kind of creepy, but, but we had a map of the dorm floor, and we wrote, we, wrote, we wrote everyone's name. And then we would use that as a way to, to pray for each. We had weekly prayer meetings where we tried to pray over the people in our dorm hall. And our goal was to share the gospel with every guy on our hall every year. And so that was our goal is to do it, to love them, to, we did our own, you know how BCM does fun events with the purpose of bringing people in our dorm hall, we did our own fun events. So we did sand volleyball, we did like a volleyball tournament, we did, um, every week we would try to go to, um, go to the cafeteria to eat lunch, we would do ice blocking, we did fountain jumping, which was kind of edgy, <laughs> we would jump in the fountains, we did, we did some things that were kind of silly. Um, but it was great because we built relationships that way. And then what we did, it was genius. We shared the gospel, okay? We, we, we met a lot of people. We uh, did, had a lot of fun with them. We built a lot of relationships. And then we, we prayed, like, prayed our guts out for them. And then we shared the gospel. And you know what happened? Like, people came to know Jesus. And then, and then we started discipling them. And then over time, we have, we have lives that have been changed. We saw about 50 people as for as in our during our time in college my brother and i living in the dorms we saw about 50 people pray to receive christ during our our time in college and so the harvest is plentiful um and so that's that's kind of what we experienced and at ou university of oklahoma there's about 40 or 50 people at that time they were all living in the dorms just to have that personal ministry target in the dorms um but you can also do it there's people that do it in athletic teams um in fraternities and sororities. We currently have a bunch of people, uh, a handful of students that are rushing fraternities and sororities right now. There are student, they're like some of our most committed student leaders that are rushing in order to, re they don't, 
they have friends, but they want to they wanna make some more friends so they can lead them to Christ. And we, our goal is to start Bible studies in every fraternity and sorority on campus in five years. So we want to we wanna be able to be all over the dorms, all over the fraternities and sororities. And so here's the first thing. It's on your little uh, worksheet. The first thing is pick a target. Pray about it. Pray, really seriously pray. What is your target? Um, now, don't worry about all the questions here, down there. That's for you to fill out later. We're just going to focus on the main points right now. Pick a target. Um, what, what is a natural group that you fit in well with, that you could fit in well with? And then go to that. Jesus said we are sent. John 20, 21. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Jesus went on the first mission trip from heaven to earth. Talk about cross-cultural. He went from heaven to earth. And, and, and he, you know, that's how we do it. So that's, we've sending these people into the fraternities and sororities. Like people have talked to me and they're like, dude, that is risky. And I'm like, I know. Last time I checked, missions is risky. <laughs> okay, last time I checked, Jesus called us to, to, to take risks for the kingdom. Matthew 10, 16, it says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Living in the dorms can be annoying. Um, which, if you can live in the dorms, if you can afford it, living in the dorms is one of the best things that you can do with your college experience. Because every year there's freshmen that are at the most, one of the most open times in their entire life. They're looking for friends. They're looking for fun. They're looking for uh, fulfillment. They're looking for the three F's. That's cool. I just made that up. But um, they're looking for those things, friends, fun, and fulfillment. And you want to be there for them. They're going to get it somewhere. And so you want to be there for them. So if you can live in the dorms, I'd, I lived in the dorms all four years. I was that weird guy that was in the dorms. But I was weird for Jesus. Um, and so, so I want to encourage you to be weird for Jesus. Go send. And so this is something we do. We have this worksheet. I share a little vision. And with our student leaders, every one of them has a personal ministry target that they, they are praying for, they're going for. Every, and so we call it full send based on the popular YouTube video. Send it, you know, we're going to send everyone. So put, the next thing is put together a team. Put together a team. So I had my brother. I had several other guys in the dorms. We have, um, when we're sending students into the fraternities and sororities right now, we send them in teams, several of them at the same time. So they have someone that they can rely on. So when, when possible, this is a game changer. Think about, hey, who could we go to? Who could we befriend? Who could we reach it into? But I love this quote. You plus the Holy Spirit is a majority everywhere you go. So if you don't have a team, you got a team. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You, got, you have the Spirit inside you, and, and He is more than able to equip you to reach people. So if you don't have, pick a team, put together a team if you can. If not, just trust God that God can do amazing things to unlikely people. There's a guy named Solomon who's on the football team at Butte College, which is a community college right next to Chico State. And he doesn't have a team, but he is serious about reaching his fellow football players. And what he does is he loves them. He's a part of the team. He, he serves them. He really tries to be an example. And then he's an inviter. He's probably invited like 12 to 15 different guys um, that have come to challenge, come, we started a FCA, so now we started FCA to help reach them, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, and 
that we've seen like four or five of those his fellow football players come to Christ. <laughs> just one guy that he's helped. It was such it was so awesome to see. We were after our large group meeting. One of our um, guys was sharing his testimony. One of our guest speakers was sharing his testimony, and he kind of shared this mystical testimony about how God saved him. The, the speaker did, and afterwards, one of the football players was like, "So how does that work? Like, what's what's going on there?" And then. Um, how did that, has that happened to you? And I'm like, yeah, I try to explain how to be born again and all this stuff, you must be born again. And then a guy that Solomon led to Christ a year ago was standing around in the circle and he got to share his testimony right there. And then uh, we pulled out, I have an app called God Tools. It's like got a gospel tool on there. And so I, I, we just read it with him. And me, Solomon, Michael, and this new guy Got to, we, did, we had a little huddle for Jesus right there and led him to Christ. So it's such, a, it's such a joy to see Solomon, the guy that this time last year was the only believer that he knew of, was getting the guy that he's led to Christ, that's discipled, help lead someone else to Christ. And it's just such a joy to see that you can do God can do amazing things through even just one person. The next thing is pray like crazy. You want to make a prayer list of every single person on your in your in your uh, target group, and you want to pray for them at least once a week. So if you have a hundred people on your um, in your target group, you want to pray for every single person at least once a week. You can break it up, maybe twenty-five or ten a day. You know, however you want to do it. But um, prayer is is so important. Um, it's so key. The next thing is you want to. Proactively pursue relationships. You want to go hard. You want to make relationships. Uh, Jacob and the guy named Jacob and two guys named Josh moved into the Craig Hall dorm last year, and they didn't know anyone else. And it cost a lot of money. It was really annoying because they had a it was like the dorm food, and there was a lot of people smoking marijuana on the halls. There's just all sorts of stuff going on. And but they were there. And they worked really hard to build relationships. And they were just present with these people, sharing. And over time, they started a Bible study. And they ended up having like 20 students coming to this Bible study in the dorms. And they became almost like they were so connected to each other. They're part of our other, the bigger ministry, Challenge. They're part of Challenge. They're almost like clicky. They almost have too much community. <laughs> They're almost too good of a friend. Like it almost worked too well that they love each other. And we've seen, we've baptized um, about eight students from that, 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 just because Josh, Jacob, and the other Josh moved into the dorms. There's eight people that got baptized there in the kingdom. And actually, most of those people that got baptized are now on our core team laboring for Christ. And they're still trying to reach the Craig Hall dorm. And so you build community and you do fun things and then you share the gospel. And who knows what God wants to do. And then you want to pray like crazy. You want to build relationships. You want to preach the gospel boldly and broadly. Preach the gospel boldly and broadly. I think that's a mistake a lot of people do is they think, well, I don't want to mess this up. I don't want to, I'm in the you know, fraternity, I'm on the dorm hall. I don't want to hurt people's feelings. I don't want to be rejected. And, and you kind of, forget, at that point, you kind of forget the reason you're there. God has put you in where you are with the relationships you have for a purpose. He's put you there 
so that you could share the gospel with them. And so what I say is make a goal by the end of the year to do a gospel appointment with every single person in your, in your people group, in your pocket of people. And if you do that, we have a guy that's in a fraternity named Ryan, and his goal was to share the gospel with every pledge every year. So that's just part of the process. Every new person that came in, he would, he would do a gospel appointment. And he'd never got to his goal, but because he had that goal, he got to share with a lot of guys, and he got to see guys come to Christ and start a Bible study in his fraternity. Look up Acts, just write down Acts 20, 19 through 27. Acts 20, 19 through 27. And I encourage you to go read that sometime. And this is the example of how the Apostle Paul did ministry. He wasn't hesitating. So here's a question you could ask. How many students in my people group will, will hear the gospel this week? How many students in my pocket of people will hear the gospel this week? And you try that, that your, one of your goals as a team is to increase that every week. Just try to keep sharing with more and more people. And then the next thing is, persistently prove your love for them. So show love. So you, you, you preach the gospel boldly and broadly, and you prove your love. You, you, you love them. First um, John 3.18, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. First John 3.18. So as you share the gospel, you're going to have lots of opportunities to love people. So you want to hang out with them. You want to, um, you may be the one that has to pick up some, your drunk friend and pit your cleaning up throw up. There's a lot of different things. When you get into lost people's lives, I've gotten into some really sticky situations where the guy's trying to smoke where I want at my house. I'm like, no, let's not do that. Like, let's, let's go, at least go outside. I don't know what to do. Like, it's just weird. You know, um, so you're gonna get into some messy stuff. Um, just giving people rides, if you're in dorm ministry, giving people rides to Walmart, offering to, to just be a, a, a listening ear for them, being there to, to help them find their classes. Hey, do you need someone to help you find your classes? Go take them on a little tour, um, do that. So anything you can do to serve people, you wanna serve, it's show and tell. The gospel is show and tell. And then you wanna, as you're sharing, as you're serving, you wanna look for persons of peace. So you want to look for people like this in Luke 10 that are open. And so a person of peace is a person that can lend their credibility to the group. So that could be someone that that's, has uh, a reputation. Sometimes that's someone, a good reputation. Sometimes it's a bad reputation. John 4, the Samaritan woman, had a bad reputation. But because she, was, she, she uh, ran by and said, this guy told me about everything I've ever done, the whole town came out. One of the, she had a bad reputation, but because Jesus changed her, then a whole pocket of people can be opened up. Are they an influencer? Sometimes it's the president, sometimes it's a RA, sometimes it's just an influential person on the dorm floor. Um, kind of make sure to look for them. But the best way to discover persons of peace, guess what it is. How do you discover persons of peace? Share the gospel. You guys are getting it, okay? Yes. You got it. So share the gospel. And uh, a great question to ask um, if you lead someone to Christ is who of your friends would be interested in hearing this? Wh who of your friends would be interested in hearing about this? 
Who are, your, who are your friends do you need to hear this? And I love that. That's a great question. Cody, a guy um, on staff with me now, led, led a guy named Noah to Christ. He did a gospel appointment. He came to Christ and he asked him that question. Who of your friends would you think needs to hear this? And he was like, hmm, let me think about it. Yeah, there's a guy named Manny that might be interested. And Cody's like, well, let's meet with him. So the next day, Noah, the day after the dude came to Christ, he got to help lead his friend to Jesus. And then they were like, Cody was like, so yeah, who else do you guys know that, that needs to know about this? Needs this gospel. And he's like, yeah, there's a guy named Ryan. So they invited Ryan. And Ryan's that guy that I was telling you about in the fraternity that actually now he's on staff with us. And he's starting a whole ministry that is targeting Greeks on campus called Greek Legacy. And so this guy, it all came from that person, that one guy, Noah. Noah, um, is a result. Now there's lots of people. Ryan's led about 12 guys to Christ during his college experience. And so there's, there's a triple, if you, if you see, imagine you see like a hand in the, in the, a hand stuck in the sand. Okay. This is kind of a weird illustration. You see a hand stuck in the sand and you say, Oh no, this poor hand, it's stuck in the sand. You come, you come out, let me save you hand. And you saw off the hand. Yay. I saved the hand. Okay, there's a person in there. You gotta pull out the whole person and save the whole person. Sometimes when we lead someone to Christ, what we do is we pull out just that one person and we get them plugged into our community and kind of, we, we tell them basically to let go of their old friends. And so what, what we need to do is stay connected to their old group of friends and help them work with them to reach their pocket of people, to reach their networks of people. So don't extract people, um, work through them, work with them to share the gospel. And you can, eat, you can reach a lot. We've had friends bring entire groups of friends to Christ. We've, we've, we've seen groups, people sometimes even come to Christ in groups. So that's something you can pray for. And it's, it's awesome to see these, like these little friend, this little friend group coming to Christ. Um, and then the next thing is you want to parent new believers and promote community. So that's on the next thing on your thing. So if you have a new believer, you want to disciple them well. You want to do a good job with that. Um, and then you want to produce leaders who can take over for you. So eventually you have new believers, you have leaders, and your job, your goal is to work yourself out of a job. Because if you're in a fraternity, if you're in a sports team, if you're in a major and you start this awesome ministry and you lead people to Christ and you have this Bible study going, you're going to graduate. And so unless you're coming on staff, you, you're gone. So you got to make sure there's others that can take over and can continue the ministry when you've, when you've gone. There's no success without a successor. There's no success without a successor. So you need to pass on what, you've, what you are doing. 2 Timothy 2.2 And what you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So then the, the last thing to do is partner with them as they continue leading. So you, pass, you can almost pass off. I heard about, I have a friend at, on another campus that they actually went into the cross-country team and they had one girl that was on the cross-country team and through her, they worked with her and they led, they shared the gospel with every single girl on their cross country team. And like half the team came to Christ. And so they started a Bible study with the team and then they were done. It's like, okay, we got this girl. 
it, we, and we have all this, let's go to another pocket of people. So they were done. This, this girl that was already on the team, now she could lead the Bible study. She could disciple the girls. And they, there was discipleship relationships going on. And then they could move on to a new target. So that's actually the next thing, is pick a new target to reach. Pick a new target to reach. Because Jesus, again, in Mark 1, he said, let's go to somewhere else. Mark 1, 38. Let's go somewhere else to the nearby villages so that I can preach there also. That is why I've come. So this is a strategy. I'd encourage you, your assignment is at some point in the next couple weeks or sometime maybe even this week if you have time, fill out that entire worksheet. And then the personal mystery target worksheet. And then go over it with the person discipling you. That's my assignment to you. And so we've seen this, this really works. It's really hard. Um, it's gonna cost you to, to have a ministry on campus, and, but it's not gonna cost you much. It's just gonna cost your entire life, okay? It's just gonna cost your whole life. It's not gonna cost you much. It's gonna cost your entire life. You wanna, but it's worth it. It's like, I, I wouldn't trade anything in the world for seeing people's lives change. So uh, any questions about this process? I know it's kind of a lot and it's big picture, but any, any questions, practical questions about, about any of this stuff? Yeah. As someone kind of overseeing a ministry, how do you like select your personal ministry targets? Yeah. Um, as a, right now, I currently don't have one that I'm like personally doing, so, but I have, we have 11 staff and each staff member has their own one. So I'm, I'm at this point, I'm kind of more coaching right now, but, but I'm always looking for, I'm constantly doing evangelism and I'm actually always taking a student with, with me. If you're a leader in a ministry, uh, we have a great, we have a motto called never share alone. If you have someone you're discipling, you can bring them with you and they can play wingman is what I call it. And they can, they can just watch and listen and they can uh, see how it's done and then a lot of times I'll let that person take over discipling because I'm, I'm pretty busy. So um, I, can lead a lot, I can lead people to Christ, but then I just pass off. That person follows up with a new believer, stuff like that. So anyhow. How did you do like, ministry like, in your career, like non-ministry career? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the way we did it was the, the three habits that I talked about earlier, having those, um, those three spiritual disciplines, the praying every day for an open door, having an impact list, and then hanging out weekly. Christy and I, my wife and I, we made a goal that we were gonna hang out with non-Christians once a week. So maybe it was bowling, maybe it was inviting some people over, or maybe it was, it was always low-key barbecue at our house or something like that. But we always tried to do, every, we didn't do it, we weren't perfect at it, but every week we tried to do something with non-Christians. And because we were hanging out with them and we were praying for them, we got opportunities to share and we got some amazing opportunities. So praying every day for an open door, um, having an impact list, a list of people you're praying for every day. And then the third thing is just regular times of hanging out with non-Christians is really important. Um, and so you have to be intentional. So I actually have a worksheet on that too. Uh, let me give you my email um, and you can email me, uh, Paul R. Worcester, um, it's the same last name as on your front of your sheet, W-O-R-C-E-S-T-E-R -E at gmail.com. And if you email me, I'll send you a link with um, some, that three habits resource and maybe a couple other things that might be encouraging to you. So.
It'd be fun to stay in touch with you. Add, add me on Facebook, too. That'd be fun. I know I've added some of you. I found like friends of friends. So some of you, I would like to meet you in real life. I'm like, I got too excited for this conference. I'm like, I want to meet you. So, so. Any other questions? Yeah. You said like you don't extract newcomers from their communities, but like what's the balance of them like meeting new fellowship? Because some of them come from like drug Yes, for sure. It's hard like to, you know, you don't want them to stay in that, but they also need to grow. It's like what's the balance? Yeah, that's hard. I don't know. What, <laughs> what do you think? What do you, <laughs> you weren't listening. Okay. Um, I'd say, um, I, <laughs> sorry, Kurt. Um, I would, I would say yeah, they need the fellowship, they need the community, but like you can go with them maybe. If it's something that you can't go with them, like if they're going to go hang out with their friends, you can kind of like explore it out and like say, hey, I'm going to go hang out with my buddies. Like, cool, I'll come with you. <laughs> and that'll be, if he's like not down with that, that might be a sign that he needs to be a little more in the Christian community and kind of, but still not make those, not, not, even if he's not going to party with them, he can still keep those relationships. He can still go work out with them. He can still go, um, go hang out at non, you know, <laughs> non-sketchy things. He can do that. So encourage them to do non-sketchy things with their non-Christian friends. But really, they need lots of community. <laughs> There's so much sketchiness that goes on. Um, okay, lot, one more question. We got time for one more. Then it's lunchtime. Let's make it good. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um, yes, that's actually sharing the gospel. <laughs> share the gospel. When in doubt, share the gospel. And but seriously, you meet with them and say, "Hey, I'd love to get to know you better and tell you about some things that I'm part of this ministry, BCM, and God's really changing my life. I'd love to meet with you and talk about that." And then we have a gospel lesson. You really explain lordship where it talks about um, we have a, a gospel lesson. You email me and I'll send it to you. But we have an illustration called the pie illustration that I incorporate into when I share the gospel with anyone is I, I say there's really two ways to live life. Imagine your life is like a pie chart. You have your friends, your free time, your girlfriend or lack thereof, your future. Your, yeah, you have all these different areas, your family. And then I said, and sometimes people have like God or Jesus as a slice of your life. And I say, that's not what it means to be a Christian. What it means to be a Christian is I do, draw a cross right at the middle. And I say, Jesus comes in and he rules you. He guides you. He directs you in every area of your life. And is that something that you would like to do? Is to make Jesus the center of your life and to, to come in and control and lead your life? Because there's a lot of people that have prayed a prayer that they have never given their life to Christ. They haven't decided to step over the line where they're truly following Jesus as Lord. They've never repented of their sins and trusted Christ as Lord. And so there's a lot of people that are Christians in, by name only that, that we want to lead them to Jesus. We've actually led, we've actually led a lot of Christians to Christ. <laughs> and they realize, oh, I wasn't really walking with Christ. And then you disciple them. And then, then what I do is I pitch discipleship and I'll start discipling them and really working with them and say this, I'll use the pie 
as a way to pitch discipleship. So I'll say, now, that means that Jesus influences every area of your life. Man, I'd love to help you do that. It's, I've been doing this for 15 years, and I'd love to help you learn to walk with Christ and to take those steps. So, man, maybe we can meet up again next week, and I could tell you more about what some of the first steps are of that. Does that make sense? So, and then if Christians aren't down, if there's just Christians that aren't involved in your ministry or aren't down to reach people, don't worry about them. Just let them do their thing, you know. And, and we go, what we're going to do is we're going to reach non-Christians. We're going to reach the lost. Like, so, so that's what I want to challenge you guys is to be really as a ministry and in your life. Like the, once the hardest thing to do is to, to reach those without Christ. And so you have to do whatever it takes. And so you have to lean heavily into that and to work hard towards it. So I believe God can use all of us. I believe he wants to use every one of you to help people come to know him. And so you gotta, you gotta get yourself to the place where you're ready to do that. So I'm gonna pray for you right now that, that that is something that God does. God, I pray for each one of these students, each one of these people in this room, that you would prepare our hearts, you would prepare us to be used by you. That you would open doors for us and that we would, we would be courageous to walk through them. That we would not let anything stop us from being obedient to you. And that there would be disciples who, are, who make disciples. There would be a downline and a multiplication of disciples. That as a result of these people right here, there would be hundreds and thousands of people in heaven as a result of our lives. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.